0: Will the favorites win out in college football's Final Four on Saturday? And where's the smart money going? 28-year professional sports handicapper John Ryan from Sports Memo, Wager Talk, and the Predictive Playbook joins me on this edition of The Winning Ticket to dive into that and break down our best bets from the NFL's Week 17 slate. Our loyal viewers know John's a regular on this program, and like me, I'm sure they can't wait to get your insight. John, thanks as always for taking the time.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure as always, Bobby. And your insights are you know, equal and sometimes even better than some of the thoughts I get. I think the combination of the two of us and the exchange of the information does create idea generation, betting strategies, and I think it just makes better results overall. You can't do this in a vacuum.
0: Far too kind, John. Certainly try to give the listeners multiple perspectives and insight from different angles. Let's start with the college football Final Four, finally. It has arrived this weekend. Let's start with the Fiesta Bowl between TCU and Michigan. What direction are you steering, betters? You
1: know, it seems like the, the general public is thinking that Michigan, because they're undefeated, and because they're Big Ten, because TCU lost the Big Twelve championship game, that it's a foregone conclusion that Michigan's going to win. And uh, I'm I'm not going that direction. Um, I'm I'm taking TCU. I like TCU here in this situation coming off of that loss. They're 12, they're, they're 9-3-1 against the spread for the season, 7-6 for the over-under, and they're 6-0 in away games, which technically this is a neutral site, but it is an away game. And when they have been the underdog, they're 2-1 on the year. Michigan is 13-0, 8-4 with one push against the spread. Uh, five and eight over under favoring the under in that situation in home games that are eight and zero against the spread, and as a favorite they were twelve and zero. I think the market's a little bit frothy here, and uh, Michigan has a very good offensive line. They won the national award as the best offensive line in the nation, which I know you already know, Bobby. But getting seven and a half with a Texas Christian team that can just let it fly—they have nothing to lose. And if they lose the game by 30, they were supposed to lose. And uh, I, I think you're gonna see some a uh, little bit of trickery out of them. I think some plays that'll catch Michigan's defense, off guard, stuff they're not expecting. And I, I think this is gonna be a much closer game than seven and a half points.
0: Yeah, John, you hit on some great points there. What I like in this one is the under at 58 and a half. You can grab it for minus one ten on points bet. Michigan is allowing 13.4 points per game. TCU surrendering 25. And the Wolverines, you touched on some of the points here that I want to get into. They are the more balanced squad. That's why they're favored by over a touchdown in this game. And they were great against Ohio State in Columbus on both ends of the ball. But this TCU team, as you know, is resilient. They're gritty. They do not tap out. It's exemplified by their quarterback, Max Duggan. They have the second most offensive talent that Michigan's faced, obviously the first being the Buckeyes. And this might prove the most competitive playoff game that we get, John.
1: Yep. And I I totally agree. I think live in-game betting, what I'm expecting and hoping for is to put 50% down pre-flop on TCU plus the seven and a half and getting that hook. For some reason that hook really is important to me. And it usually is not. Um, I can easily see this game being won by Michigan by seven, uh, but I, I like having that seven and a half. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised by game time. We're only about 48 hours away now um, that this line could push through seven and a half, which is a key number, and, and make a move towards nine. And uh, it's not going to go down. Let's put it that way. So another reason, if you like TCU as I do, bet it pre-flop now, get the seven and a half with the hook, and then look for something higher. As uh, as we approach uh, kickoff,
0: John, what's the what's the reasoning behind the hook mattering more to you in this particular matchup than it usually does?
1: Uh, because I think it's going to be a close game. You know, I think I think it could be won by three, four, seven by Michigan. Uh, it could be won by one point two by Michigan. But those are your big numbers, and just having that extra little half a point. Um, You know, in certain games during the regular season, Bobby, the extra seven and a half and I'd like the favorite would not bother me either because I I have a a favorite that I think is going to win by double digits. So whether it's seven, seven and a half, eight, eight and a half, it doesn't really matter in terms of the pricing. It's just that's the market. And uh, in this game, I I like having that added half point. It's almost like getting a a field goal to me. You know, it's it's pretty important, I think, in a game that you think is going to be playing pretty close.
0: Yeah, I I think, especially for anyone who thinks this is going to be a nail-biter, and for the sake of entertainment alone, let alone profits, I certainly hope that's the case. I look at the Horn Frogs defensively, and I think what their strategy will be is what it's been throughout the season. It's Dare Michigan to run the football, that might be a recipe for a disaster because the Wolverines, as you pointed out, they have the best offensive line in the country. No team has stopped their rushing attack. Hardly anyone has slowed them down. You can count it with just a couple of fingers. So I'm rolling with the favorite in the Fiesta Bowl. I think Michigan wins, but if TCU can minimize the explosive plays and at least be competitive against the run and keep in mind that Corum's is obviously not playing the star running back for michigan if that happens it lends itself to both the under and this game being really competitive and staying within those seven and a half points
1: yeah and i agree i'll add a, a little system here with the um under is uh, playing under the a total that's between 56 and a half and 63 points in a game involving two very good teams and by that definition, they're outscoring their opponents by double digits on the season. And after the eighth game of the regular season has been played, including the bowl games, playoffs and conference championship games, 68 percent with a 55 and 25 record to the under. And that supports your your take on the under 58 percent of those plays went under the total by seven or more points. And again, if that happens, I you know my Common sense, it might not be the same for everybody that's watching this, but if this game goes under, I gotta think it's gonna be a closer game than people think, and that puts me even stronger on TCU and getting that seven and a half.
0: John, all I gotta know is which way your models are pointing, and I'm going that direction at the window. So it's comforting to know. I'm glad they're on my side with the under in this one, and I do think that speaks to and gives me confidence that it's gonna stay within that seven and a half point spread Onto the Peach Bowl, we go Ohio State against Georgia. Arguably the best offense in the country. It's between them and USC. Whichever way you lean, there's really no wrong answer on that one. It's a matter of personal preference. But it is hands down the number one defense in the nation when you're talking about the Dogs. This game might prove, of the Final Four, Georgia's most difficult challenge. John, which way do you lean on it?
1: Here again, and uh, for people that want to do a pizza money bet, Taking uh, Ohio State to play TCU in the final is not a bad bet at all. Of course, you know, the the odds are going to be against that happening. I think the world wants to see Ohio State and Michigan play again. But I think Ohio State's the correct pick. Here we're at six and a half. And it's more likely, I think, as game approaches that it's going to move towards six. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see it just settle right at six at game time and that's it. I don't think you're going to see – you're going to continue to see balanced action more so in this game. In the Michigan-TCU matchup, 72% of the tickets that I track at the 12 different sports books were on Michigan. That's a little bit of a red flag if you like Michigan. Here in this game, it's much more balanced. Um, I do have one interesting thing about Ohio State, and I ran this this morning. Uh, Ohio State – Uh, Buckeyes have lost their last five games against the spread when facing a ranked opponent. I heard that actually on one of the major outlets this morning, so I thought, well, that's interesting. Well, let's dig a little bit. Let's let's take that and dig a little bit deeper. So I ran Ohio State as a dog facing a ranked opponent. They are thirteen and eleven straight up, seventeen and seven against the spread, seventy-one percent since the start of the twenty ten excuse me, the 2010 season, and if they're a single-digit dog, Bobby, 10 and 1 against the number from 91%. I can't ignore that. And plus, my models are predicting that Ohio State is going to have their way offensively, and when Ohio State scores 35 or more points, which is what the the models are actually expecting 31 or more, about an 82% probability of that happening, uh, even at 31, Ohio State is very good against the spread when scoring 28 on the road or at a neutral site. So I, I think Ohio State here, I, I'm going to be playing the money line as well. I think they win the game.
0: That certainly would be quite the, I'm still going to say upset, even though you know I just mentioned Ohio State's offense and their firepower, and you're bringing up what your models are telling you there and, and the potential and the expectations based on a number of simulations and variables. And then I also look at, John, the fact that Ohio State, what will they do with the second chance that they've been given? They were on the outside looking in. It took a Trojans loss for the Buckeyes to get back to the Final Four. So do they capitalize on that? Do they atone for laying an egg at home against their rivals from Ann Arbor? That's going to be really interesting to see. It might prove to me nothing but going into this matchup. I can't discount that. And I think that if the Buckeyes can run the ball and dine on more than just the deep ball, then they have a chance to control the clock, keep their defense off the field, and pull off the upset. There will be one-on-one opportunities for them to hit home runs on two, and C.J. Stroud has to capitalize on those. But the Bulldogs' offense is a vastly better complementary unit than Ohio State's defense, which is much improved this season. But that's really, I can't look past the combination of that and the potential for Jalen Carter to wreak havoc in the trenches in this game. And so to me, it's interesting because now I'm willing to, you know, I will defer to the expert, which is you here. But instinctively, I feel like the line should be higher than six and a half, actually, because of that difference in balance. And so you can grab it for minus 110 at a few places, including Caesars and Win. So I'm taking that to the window, and if everything goes right for the Buckeyes, then so be it. Although now I'm a little more concerned since your models are on the side of Ohio State, and you're going as far as an upset, but I'm still going to roll with the dogs in this one.
1: Fair enough. I'll give you one little system here, too, in Ohio State. Um, You're going to bet on any team after having lost to the spread by 49 or more points in their last five games. As we know, they got crushed by Michigan. And the game taking place in December or January, so that usually um, means a conference championship game or a bowl game, a college football playoff game, not a regular season game. That has gone 72% against the number since 1990 on a 55-21 and 21 record, and that supports Ohio State. But to your point, Bobby, you know, it's not – Fifty-five and zero. It's fifty-five and twenty-one. That means that there's twenty-one losses here where this system was completely wrong and the bet lost. And people, you know, it's really important to understand that that fact. If if something's hitting eighty percent, it doesn't mean that the game you're betting on and taking to the window is going to win. It it has a twenty percent chance of losing. So I sometimes emphasize, you know, to get away from the hype to emphasize the fact that, yeah, you know what, these lose, just like I went 0-3 in the NBA after a night of going 3-0. That's the life of a professional sports better, and you can't let one play allow you to be impacted by the next day, and I hope that made sense. And lastly, Bobby, I must say, for handicapping, I'm a Penn State uh, fan. I, I had you know a few uh, kids that went there, and it's a tremendous place. As a result of going to Penn State, I'm not exactly a Ohio State Buckeye lover. And I don't like Michigan either. (laughs) So when you look at a game like this, I love how Georgia plays. I love the head coach. I I like everything in the world about them. But when it comes to betting money, you have to throw that out the window and be 100% objective. So if your team that you hate comes up and you like them, Don't let that hatred of that team prevent you from an opportunity.
0: Head over heart, for sure. (laughs) And also, John, what I'm hearing is that you can't lose. If Ohio State gets it done, you profit. (laughs) And if Georgia beats them, especially if they stomp them, then there's the schadenfreude in that. Very good. So I think you are sitting in the catbird seat and should be able to enjoy this weekend's action, no matter how it unfolds, John. Let's move to Sunday in the NFL and our best bets. Let's start with the Jaguars and the Texans.
1: Jaguars and the Texans. Here we go with, um, you know, we have a very unusual situation in the NFL this year, and we've only been in uh, the second year of having seven playoff teams in each conference. What it's done, however, is it's allowed the mediocre struggling type of teams that really can't put together a, you know, a three game winning streak and more likely to have a four game losing streak during the course of the season, still having a chance, to make the playoffs with a losing record. There's been uh, three divisional champions of uh, losing record uh, winners. In other words, the team had a losing record, won the division, made it to the playoffs. We could have two of those this year, one out of the AFC and one out of the uh, NFC. Jacksonville is in that position now, and no matter what happens in their game uh, this this Sunday, no matter what happens to the game with Tennessee, uh, that ha- that they're playing tonight against Dallas, which they are basically throwing in the towel to lose and and rest players basically is what they're doing. They're they're putting all their their eggs in one basket. And that comes down to this final game of the regular season, which will determine the, the champion. I don't think Jacksonville has any reason to take the foot off the gas pedal. They have won three of their last four games, and uh, they're they're playing at the best level they have played of the last two seasons. And they're going to be a four point, four and a half point road favorite here, going up against the Texans, who have you know two wins, but they actually have been playing better, as you know, Bobby. But uh, I think Jacksonville just you know doesn't fool around, and they treat it like a must win game. And that's a lot easier to do than what I think Tennessee is doing, where you know you have the Tannehill injury, you have a you know that problem. I don't think Tennessee is going to be able to bounce back if they get throttled by Dallas tonight, and I think that's what's going to happen with that game tonight. So I like Jacksonville here quite a bit uh, against the spread, and uh, if it would drop for any reason, you know, consider the money line. You know, if you get the money line under one seventy five. You know, throwing a little bit of pizza money on there, no more than a unit if you're betting five units, say, on the, you know, 20% of your normal bet should not be on the money line with a favorite as a rule. So uh, I like Jacksonville here minus the four uh, to probably win the game by double digits.
0: Yeah, John, I'm with you on that. The Texans, they've been scrappy, and it's been impressive to see whether it was the Cowboys, the Chiefs, the Titans, you name it. They have not thrown in the towel At the same time, the Jags are rolling right now. I'm sure they're thrilled to go from those frigid conditions at MetLife Stadium in New Jersey to playing in a dome in Houston. Trevor Lawrence, is just it seems like he keeps getting better and better. And against the Jets, it was his ability to make plays with his legs. He's always had that capability. He was a more willing runner in that game due to the inclement weather. And that was an important part and a necessary ingredient for that Jaguars victory. You look at their defense and how they're playing well, and they force turnovers. So I'm with you. I think the Jaguars get it done. One of my best bets, the one that I want to start with, is the Niners taking on the Raiders in Las Vegas. I'm on San Francisco here at minus six for minus 110 on Unibet. If you're more comfortable going to points bet, for instance, you can get it for minus nine and a half at minus 115. But John, give me Glock Purdy to keep the momentum rolling. Give me the Niners defense against Jared Stidham. San Francisco's defense is allowing the fewest points per game. Jared Stidham stinks. (laughs) And there is the concern in my mind that I've upset the football and the betting gods. So now he plays above his head. But an average defense shouldn't allow that to happen, let alone perhaps the best one in the NFL. This to me feels like, the free space on the bingo card, never mind an upset. There's nothing that suggests the Niners win this game by less than a touchdown.
1: Hey, I agree. The one thing that bothers me, and this is something um, that people really want to track, especially when we get to next preseason, is the Circa puts out betting lines for every single game for the whole entire season before the preseason even starts. So I've been tracking this for the better part of a decade. And last year in the Circa contest, I actually used this strategy successfully, and it hit 68%. These plays this year are in the low 60% range. And what you simply do is you take the opening line of the Circa before the season started, which had Las Vegas favored by a point and a half. The 49ers now are a double-digit favorite, which means the line has moved eight and a half points over the course of the season. And when it's more than seven you want to become contrarian. Now, could I do this, Bobby, with the with the LA uh, Raiders, uh, or not the LA Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders? I don't think so. I don't think there's a, a chance in you know what of me putting any of my hard-earned money behind the Raiders. But it is something to watch with other games throughout the season, and and definitely you know make note of it so you track it again next year because it it does give you some contrarian bets that make abs- absolutely no sense. A lot of times they're dogs, and then the dog ends up winning the game. So uh, with the volatility of the NFL, that is one thing that's holding me back from thinking the 49ers don't win by, you know, 20 or more.
0: Yeah, I'm You know, i going to start checking out this circa, the preseason lines for every game come the regular season. That That is definitely a fun little exercise to start monitoring. So I'm going to join you in doing so. And then a game. I told you off the air that I'm really excited to get your perspective on it. It's the Eagles and the Saints in Philly. Your thoughts?
1: Well, there's, uh, you know, I I tune into all different types of radio stations based on locale. It's very easy to do with the technology we have in place today. You just need Apple iTunes and just, you know, type in the city. And a lot of times I listen to, um, you know, kind of your neck of the woods, you know, that New England. You know, flavor is pretty good. But there's nothing worse than the Philadelphia region. And to a certain degree, the New York region is probably right behind them, too. You know, the Eagles lost to the Dallas Cowboys, their divisional rival. And uh, all of a sudden, now the world is coming to an end. The Eagles are in trouble. If you listen to these radio stations, they are. And uh, there's great concern. uh, Will Jalen Hurts be able to come back? The loss of Lane Johnson uh, is obviously a big loss. I'm not going to undermine that in the least. But I'm here to tell you that the Eagles are going to be fine. And one of the reasons why is not to do with analytics. It's the team chemistry. And there was an interview, post-game interview, with Jalen Hurts and uh, Kelsey, their center. And it literally was like two college fraternity buddies just having fun with the interview. The entire offensive line actually did a recording in a recording studio singing Christmas carols. I mean, I never saw anything more enjoyable in my life. It was humorous. It was entertaining. But you don't find that kind of chemistry in the NFL. You know, it really is something in Philadelphia. And going against a losing record team here that, you know, is one of those teams I mentioned when we started talking about the NFL that they still have a chance. Well, I think after this weekend, they won't have a chance, and they'll be they'll be home for the uh, the playoffs. I see the Eagles just dominating this game. I don't care who the quarterback is. They didn't lose that game against Dallas because of the quarterback situation. They committed four turnovers. Sure, it could have been a bad route that was run, or Minshew thought somebody was going to you know go right, and he went left. That can be worked out quickly, especially with a backup quarterback as good as he is. So I like the Eagles here to uh, take care of business in a big way. And lastly, because I am talking a lot more than I usually do, Bobby, I mean, I apologize for that. It's, it's welcome. You you have me on the edge of my seat. The week um, situational betting angle for Week 17 is to bet on winning record home teams in the last three weeks of the regular season. The home team has a winning record on the season, and the guest has a losing record on the season, and the guest is scoring an anemic 22 or fewer points per game. That all adds up to a 40 and 10 straight up record, 80%, 30 and 17 with three pushes against the number that's 64% winning bets. I'm taking the Eagles. And again, in game betting, if for some reason the saints would score first, especially if it's a touchdown, that's where the advantage is. And you want to jump on that Eagles line as quickly as possible. It might only move maybe a point or two if they score first, but in fact of the matter is you get a cheaper price to bet on the team that you think is going to end up winning by double digits or possibly more. So I like the Eagles here to secure the number one seed in the conference, take care of the division, and then rest against the Giants in the final game of the regular season.
0: Yeah, I think that happens as well. I understand that the Saints are a physical team, but I think the Eagles should and will handle business. John, that Philadelphia team chemistry reminds me a lot of 2017 yep. and Jalen hurts. It was my understanding that if that was a playoff game in Dallas, that he would have suited up for it. So I think he'll be just fine for the postseason. lane Johnson. They're hoping to get back him. I think they need for when they go up against the other top teams in the conference, especially if they get to the super bowl, but Again, the belief seems to be right now that they will have both and certainly that they'll have Jalen Hurts under center. So I think the Eagles, I know they've been bit by the injury bug at the worst possible time, but I think it will ultimately play out where they'll be just fine. And I look at the Cowboys in a must-win game at home against their arch rivals, and they barely beat them with the backup quarterback on the other side. It's not a good look for Dallas. So if I'm Philly, I'm taking a lot of positives from how that one unfolded the next game i want to get to here is that rams chargers tilt i'm on the chargers at minus six and a half you can get it for minus 110 on points bet don't overreact to the rams beating the brakes off the broncos this is the same team that put up 12 points at lambeau looked bad with matthew stafford and cooper cup in the lineup and needed a miracle and the raiders ineptitude to pull off a comeback win in which they put 17 points on the board Conversely, the Chargers are getting healthier. It coincides with them going on a three-game winning streak, and their defense is starting with that win over the Dolphins to play its best ball of the season. So I'm backing L.A.'s AFC team, a tenant of SoFi Stadium, to win by at least a touchdown against the building's landlord.
1: I love it. I'm with you. And uh, just to uh, tell everybody, you and I don't talk about who we're going to pick in these games, and that's what makes this really... Fun to do, right? Close to the best. And uh, in this game, uh, I wanted to mention too, uh, it was an article I wrote that's over on gambling.com for Super Bowl uh, uh, participants. Who's going to make the Super Bowl? Not who's going to win, but who's going to get there. And uh, what I did was I went through a lot of articles that were already written, wrote down the final results of who they picked to get to the Super Bowl. And I picked two teams that, We're flying under the radar. And one of them is the Chargers. I think the Chargers, not only for this game, but the foreseeable future, are the team that is going to be the most dangerous when we get to the playoffs. Herbert's just getting better and better and better. They're getting healthier and healthier. They'll be at full strength by the first playoff game. And you know, there's no foregone conclusion in the NFL that Buffalo or Kansas City is going to make it to, make it to the Super Bowl. And uh, the other team I picked, Bobby, was the San Francisco 49ers, who if I was an Eagle fan, that's the team I'm scared of. You mentioned the physicality. Uh, that could be a problem without having Lane Johnson on the offensive line. And I can't agree more. And the most physical defense in the NFL is the San Francisco 49ers. So I'm kind of excited about that. And I did bet a whopping $10 at 80-1 to Chicago or um, the Chargers against the 49ers in Super Bowl 57. And you can still get on board for 60-1. to That buys a lot of pizzas.
0: Yeah, it certainly does. I'm already starting to think of my favorite places to get a good slice. And so it's going to be really interesting (laughs) to see because you laid it out for why the Chargers, it seems like they're peaking at the right time as they get healthier. And they are a team that is certainly we see the flaws in the top three in the AFC, the Chiefs, the Bills and the Bengals. And the Chargers are a team that if it comes together, has the talent to knock off one or two of them. If that's their path, they certainly have it within their potential to get to the Super Bowl and represent the AFC.
1: Absolutely. I think that's a I think that's a good pizza money bet just to take the Chargers to make it to the conference championship game would be a good bet. you don't have to go all, all the way with that. And we can talk on the, on the next show, instead of using the, the futures bets for the playoffs, you can take a team like the Charters, who probably will be a dog in every playoff game. And instead of using the futures, you use the money line. And if they win round one, you roll it over, money line again. If they win that one, conference championship, money line. And we can get into more detail in the next show on the... Uh, Strategies with that, I think people will like.
0: Yeah, we definitely will do that, by the way. And it's winter over here in the Northeast. So any strategy that gives me a chance to win 60 pizzas, I'm all for it. There you go. That wraps up this edition of the winning ticket. But before we go, John, the stage is yours to promote any work you want to share and let everyone know where they can find you on social media.
1: I appreciate that, Bobby. Um, You can find me at John Ryan Sports and the number one on Twitter. You can find me at playbook.com. You can find me at winningcappers.net and a bunch of other places. But those are the main ones that I would encourage you to visit. And I put out uh, content every single day, free trends, angles, betting systems. And I also do premium bets that go to my clients. And I have a pretty good card going tonight. I also will have a 10-unit, 5% max bet going this weekend in college football and also in the NFL. So those are the biggest plays. They are now 37-13 and 13 after having lost my last one, but we had run off six in a row before that. But we're 37-13 over almost three years with those 10-unit max bets. So take advantage
0: of that, and uh, that's about it, Bobby. <laughs> I'm a broken record here, but for our new listeners and <laughs> viewers who are slow to the take here, if you're not tailing John's picks, you are missing out on profits absolutely take him up on what he is offering you because as those who know who consistently do so entail his picks understand and have reaped the benefits of i might add he consistently will put more money into your pockets and your bank accounts so definitely take john up on his advice and thank you to everyone who tuned in today whether you found us on believe.com the winning tickets youtube page or wherever you get your podcast from and if you enjoyed the show please be sure to like rate and subscribe it goes a long way For John Ryan, I'm Bobby Kravitsky. This has been The Winning Ticket.